we're in the holiday season and I've got a message for you today that's a standalone sermon. Next week, we're gonna start a really cool series called White Christmas. And as you can see, like our kind of our creatives team and everything, they've already gotten to work redecorating. You guys like this stuff? This is cool, huh? I mean, we got Christmas trees and they're not done yet, so don't judge yet because they're like, no, we got more. Don't tell them it's done. It's gonna get better. So anyway, this is all coming together. We have our own fireplace in Hawaii. How's that? I warm everything up. Like it's, uh, it's super cool. But um, we're gonna start a new series next week and it's gonna be three weeks leading up to Christmas. And we're going to have phenomenal Christmas Eve services on Christmas Eve, 6, 8, and 11 p.m. at night. It's going to be amazing. We're going to love that. But today, as we enter into December, it's December 2nd. We're in the season of all of the craziness of the holidays. There's so many distractions, isn't there? How many of you guys would agree life just got really busy? For anybody in here, right? You got extra parties and all the food to think about, presents, shopping. I saw um, in the media and the news that we just had, how many of you guys were out there for Black Friday? You were battling. Anybody? Come on, Black Friday deals and you were out there. I know that you guys were. You're just ashamed to say it, right? But you were out there and Cyber Monday, like for the introverts, like we don't go out, we stay in and order online, Amazon, right? Cyber Monday is our way of, (laughs) anyway, in the midst of all that, I watched this one little video clip of, I don't know if it was Walmart or whatever, but there were 75% off these really big screen TVs, limited supply, and it was funny because people were carrying these huge boxes around, but they're like battling, like with these huge TVs, ah, pushing carts and stealing and grabbing, and it's so funny, and someone said, season's greetings has turned into season's beatings, and people are getting beat down, and in the midst of all of that, I wanted to preach a message that would just remind us of what the, the Christmas season is really all about, the holiday season. As we go forward and we move into these next few weeks and, and what it's all about is it's so easy to get distracted. There's, there's all the food to think about, you know, and it's funny because I think we go to Thanksgiving and, and did anybody have like a, a food fiasco this Thanksgiving, like something didn't turn out as well or you forgot to put the one ingredient in it or something like Like it's the kind of thing like people complaining, oh, your whole night you're thinking about my green bean casserole was ruined because blah, 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 blah. Well, you don't have to worry about that at my house because I never touch the stuff. So if you have a problem with the green bean casserole, that's your problem. That ain't my problem. I don't worry about that at all. But we get so concerned with like the turkey and all of that. Sometimes we forget that it's not even about the food, it's about who we're sitting around that table with, amen? Those people that, that matter to us, the family that we're connecting with. And in the midst of all of the, the presence, the shopping, the money, the, the, just the busyness, sometimes we forget to give it up to God, the one that deserves it the most. It's supposed to be the season of Jesus, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. And sometimes we make it too much about all these other things. So today I just want to preach a message about giving it up for God, that we just got to give it up for God. Let's not forget that he doesn't take second billing in our lives in this season because we're, we're so worried about the deals or the food or the, the lights or the trees or any of that. Let's remember that the giver is more important than the gifts. Amen? That the Savior is more important than Santa? Anybody? <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is more important than the holiday spirit? And so we're going to talk about giving our all to God this morning. I'm going to give you guys a verse. A verse I've re- I recently been studying, this passage. And it's a message that I've preached before, and I'm going to preach it differently because I heard a different angle on it that really spoke to me. And as I studied the scripture, I found out that this is more of the true essence of this passage than the way I think I got it wrong and that I preach it. And you're going to hear kind of a flip side on it. And the, the passage is in Malachi chapter 3. And it's funny because we've read this passage before. This is the famous giving of our tithes and offerings uh, message that God gives to his people. Now, today's message isn't going to be, I'm going to mention tithes and offerings. 
But I'm going to mess, I'm going to speak more to the idea of giving up everything in our life, like really giving God what he's due in our lives. And I'm going to take a little bit of a different spin on it. Um, and we'll see what you guys think about this. But I think I, I heard this new perspective on this passage and it, it flipped everything for me. It flipped it from one that kind of is feeling like it's, it's guilt giving and, and maybe condemning and convicting a little bit to something that actually sets me free and benefits me. And so I want to share that with you. And, and in Malachi chapter 3, here's the background story on this. Malachi, or if you ever read it before as a little kid, you're like, Malachi. Oh, Malachi. That sounds like a Mexican word. Mariachi, Malachi. But the book of Malachi is, is a name of a man. He was a prophet. A prophet is simply someone that speaks for God, meaning that God directly speaks messages and says, tell this to my people. So a, a prophetic word is someone saying, I heard this from God for you. So Malachi is giving this message to God's people. And here's a backstory. So you don't just think that God's yelling at his people. Backstory is this for, for hundreds, for thousands of years, God's people, he set up a relationship with them. And he goes, hey guys, I, I'm gonna be your God, your father. I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna take care of you if you do things my way. If you obey my laws and you obey my actions that I'm requiring of you, I'm going to be there for you and I got your back. And God's people, the Jewish people would always be, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it your way, God. Everything goes good. Then they start to get distracted, like us at the holidays. We just look around. Maybe it's not bad things. It's not false idols or false gods, but we just kind of like too much emphasis on certain things. So God's people, eyes on him, get distracted. They start turning away. I guess start turning away in big ways, like, like really worshiping other gods and cultures and things. God has to come in, show them that life doesn't work out that way. Sometimes he brings discipline. He calls them back to him. They get everything right. They come back to him. Then you read the Old Testament. And it's a story of the ups and downs in relationship with God's people and him. Praise God that he sent Jesus, amen, that erased all of that and said there's a better way. If you know my son and you follow him, then everything's good for you. But Here's Malachi speaking to a people that have had this history of up and down, up and down. And they're at a place in life where they've kind of been in one of the downs. They've turned away from God. They've gotten all fired up on spending money on themselves, on other cultures, other stuff. God comes in, speaks through Malachi, and he goes, hey, say these words to my people. They're kind of harsh, in-your-face words, but it's good to know about. And he starts off with this, where we're reading in Malachi 3.8. He comes out and he says, will a man rob God that you have robbed me? And the people are like, whoa, 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 what? God's telling us we've robbed him. And it says, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? They're trying to figure out, what, what do you mean? We've, we've cheated God. We've robbed God. And he says this, in the tithes and the offerings, you are cursed with a curse for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. He's, he says, all of you guys have been withholding some stuff that's due to me. And now you're, you're walking out the consequences of it. There's like a curse on you because you're not doing it my way. Now, I want to talk to you today, and I don't want you to sit here and go, oh, no, it's about the money, and it's one of these messages where the pastor's like uh, yelling and scolding. First of all, if you know me well enough, that's not the kind of guy I am. That's not my heart. You guys, hopefully you can pick that up in me. I'm not that kind of a pastor. I don't want to preach that way. But I really don't want you to, to feel condemned here today. But the question is this that we're going to be answering is, how are we robbing God? And are we robbing God? In this season where it's so easy to get distracted that we may be have to ask ourselves, like, oh, in this busyness, God, I'm stressing. But maybe in all of my distractions and all my, my busyness that I'm doing, is there a way that I'm possibly holding back on you? Could I be doing better? So all, to, all we're going to be doing today is asking ourselves the question in three big areas. Are we withholding from God in any way? 
Because life goes better when we, we give God our all. So here's the first one, and we're going to break it down a little bit. The first one is um, we withhold our worship. Are we robbing God? I don't know. We might be withholding our worship. Now, you go back to the scripture, Malachi. What, he, what did he say about robbing God? In what areas? Tithes and offerings. Well, what does worship have to do with that? Listen, this is what I think. Tithes and offerings are when we give financially to God. We give gifts to God, right? But isn't it true in any relationship, before you give a gift to someone, is you have, to, you have to see the value in that person, which is what worship is. You value something. You have to have love. You have to have relationship. You don't just randomly give gifts to people. You give gifts because, first of all, you've come into a relationship where you appreciate, where you love them. Does that make sense? Right? To quote someone famous, they once said, uh, if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. I don't know who said that, but somebody said that, right? The meaning behind that, and how many of you just sang that in your head, right? If you like it, then it's, oh, oh, oh. Anyway, yes, I just quoted Beyonce, my bad. But here's the deal. If you like someone, if you love someone, if you have relationship, if you value them, which is what worship is, then you are going to. So when he's saying in, in scripture, God's saying, hey, you robbed me of the tithes and offerings, it starts way earlier than the act of giving. It starts in a heart of worship that would say, God, you got all of me. Like, I just want to be with you. I want to worship you. And I think this first way that we sometimes maybe are, are withholding stuff from God is that we withhold our, our worship that starts on the inside. Before it ever gets to any of, of, well, going to church and giving gifts and tithes and offerings and all that stuff, it starts in a place where do we even have a heart that wants to be near God, that would want to give anything to him? Do, do we worship him? First Samuel 15, 22, uh, another prophet in scripture. Samuel says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, which is all the stuff you do, your religion, you going to church, all that. Is that important to God or is it your obedience to his voice? And then he says this, listen with the exclamation point. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, God's saying is, I, I just want to know that you love me, that you're obedient to me, that we have relationship, you value me. And yeah, yeah, we'll get to whatever you, give, you want to give me later, but here's all I care about. I just want you, Carl. I just want to know that you love me. All the other stuff in your life, that's good that you're doing all that, but here's where it all starts. Here's what matters most to me is, do you worship me? Do you value me? In John 4, 23, it says the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is actually looking for those who will worship him that day, that way. God's looking for real worshipers. God's not looking for people that just do uh, the, the sacrifice and the religiosity. He's looking for the ones that are true in worship and spirit and in truth and that would obey him in our hearts. And there's a lot of reasons we don't worship that way. A lot of us are Christians. We've been Christians a long time, but our hearts are not in it. We go to church because it's like, well, that's what I do. That's what I have to do. I read my Bible because, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. And God's going, ah, that, that's not what I'm looking for. Like, don't, don't rob me. Don't withhold some stuff from me. And I wonder, the question for us today is, is, are we withholding any of our worship for God? Maybe because we're lazy. Maybe because we're like, I'm unworthy to get that close to God. Like, I'm not holy enough to be that close. Maybe it's pride. I know everything already. I don't need to get close to God and learn anymore. I already, my life's already going good. In the area of like social media, put it like this. You know, when you look on Facebook and there's all these descriptions about people's biography and who they are and where they work and how old they are, one of the things says relationship status. Are you guys familiar with that? Relationship status. And you can either type in in a relationship or you can say it's complicated, right? Or you can say like, you know, whatever it is that you say. But I, I wonder, I, I take a look at, at my relationship with God. 
And I think that if God had a Facebook, that God's, when it says in a relationship, as he views me, uh, what's your relationship status? That God's would say, in a relationship with Carl, or insert your name there. That God thinks that way towards us. Hey, I'm Carl's Lord. I'm a savior. I'm active in his life. I want to bless him. I've got all this good stuff for him. He's going to be with me in heaven forever. So God would clearly say his thoughts towards me. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Relationship status, in a relationship. But here's the problem sometimes I think we withhold our worship. That for us in our lives that are busy and distracted with the holidays, relationship status with God, just friends. Ouch. Ah, just friends. You ever been just friended by anybody? You ever, when you thought you were like, oh, loving the girl and, you know, we're like writing letters and all of this. Hey, thanks. You're a really great friend. Ah, you just got friend zoned, right? You're just put in the friend zone forever. And sometimes I think this is a good question to ask us is where we're at with God. What's the relationship status? In a relationship or just friends? And this is the the thing that the question here is, here's a good indicator. What does your prayer life look like? In, as far as are we, are we withholding worship from God, what's your prayer life look like? Is it sporadic? Is it only here and there? Is it only when you do pray to him, you're only asking for stuff? Or is it a prayer life that you spend some time on it, that you're praying all the time? The Bible says pray without ceasing, without stopping. You're constantly just talking to him. And you're not always asking, can I have this? I want this. I need this. But you spend a good chunk of your time just going, God, thank you. You're so good. I just praise you, God. I just love you. Thank you so much. And in fact, I'm going to praise you even though things are terrible in my life right now. Before the breakthrough comes, I'm going to praise you before my breakthrough. You know, that's, check your, check your prayer life. How often are you in the word of God? The, the Bible says we should meditate on it day and night. Are you really feeding on it or are you just reading to go, check, I did my reading today. Are you really, because there's a heart of worship and you know what God's looking for? That heart. Worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. When you come to worship in church, is it just songs? Is it just like, well, we can get there kind of late because they, they start the service with songs anyway. No big deal. Is it, is it just songs for you? Or are you someone that's going, I got to get there early because worship is the highlight of my service. I don't care what that guy Carl's talking about up there. But when I meet with God, something cool happens. Like, is worship a priority? Are you willing to close your eyes and raise your hands to receive? Or are you just, are you holding back? I just, this is a good question for us today because I believe God wants to bless us if we press in. Are you hungry for the things of God. Are you thirsty? Stay thirsty, my friends. I got the beard. Someone very interesting once said that. The most interesting man in the world. I don't know. That's another thing. But one of the ways that we rob God, potentially, maybe, could be, I'm not, I'm not accusing you, maybe we withhold our worship. Secondly, maybe we withhold our resources. Here's directly what the scripture was talking about in Malachi, the tithes and the offerings, is, is financially, our stuff, the things that we hold on to, mainly money, the God of the spirit of money in our lives. Now, listen to this. You know why God started the whole concept of tithing in the the Bible anyways, of giving 10% of our first and our best to him? Because I believe this, is that God knew that money would be the biggest distraction and competition for his rule in our lives, is that money is the biggest thing that we can create a God over and worship and hold on to and stress over that's the greatest competition for him. It's the number one thing. If you talk to any counselor, they're going to tell you this, that the number one cause of divorce and relationship problems is money. 
That doesn't mean all of the problems are caused by money, but the main one, even if you're like, oh, well, that's different because they had an affair and they cheated and this, that. Oftentimes, you dig deep enough, you're going to find the roots of money problems, even in the midst of all of these things. Whether there's like not enough money, whether people are mismanaging it, whether there's secret accounts or whatever, whether, whether you're too tight with it, but money is this big thing. And so I believe that one of the biggest things that we might be withholding from God is what he's asking for and what he's talking about here is tithes and offerings. The 10% to the Jewish people was the first fruits of whatever they gathered from farming, from cattle, whatever. They brought to the temple, to God's house, to be a blessing. But more importantly, it wasn't just for the blessing to other people. It was to show, it was an indicator of, God, you got my heart. You got a hold of my relationships. You got a hold of my family. You got a hold of everything in my, even my money, God, you have control over. It's like this. The older you get, the more you need to like pay attention to your body, right? I found recently that I'm getting old and it's a problem. Does anybody have that problem, getting old? It happens. If it hasn't happened to you yet, it will happen. Like <laughs> You just, ah, I'm getting older. I found that to take care of my body and to be healthy, there's stuff that I got to do. So I go to the doctor and he's like, you need to make sure you're getting exercise, make sure your diet is good. Maybe you need to take vitamins or supplements or whatever. So if you stay on a disciplined program of doing these, diet, exercise, vitamins, whatever you need, you know what it is? It's a really good indicator to look at, well, this, if I'm doing this, equates to I'm healthy and I have a healthy life. I think God gave us tithing to go, hey, if on a consistent basis you can keep giving me the first 10% of everything that comes in, it's a good way to just look at yourself and go, I got a healthy walk with God because I'm not letting money get in the way of this thing. And, and I don't want to be legalistic about the tithe. It's not, a, it's not a sermon today to tell everybody better tithe. It's just, where, where are you at with giving everything in your life to God where you're at? Maybe 10% is a goal that you're not at yet. And, and if you're not willing to give it yet, honestly, uh, there's a verse that we're going to read here that God says, if you can't give it with the right heart that you want to, then don't give it. Don't bother giving it anyway. Look what it says. Um, well, it says about tithes, that's our 10% consistent. It's a good indicator where we're at. Offerings are different though. Okay, I just want to make this clear to you guys. Tithes and offerings are not the same thing. Tithes are that 10% that we're like, that's my ongoing, consistent, holy set apart. That just shows where my life is at with God. Offerings are, even in scripture, above and beyond the tithes. It's for special donations or special support for things that God is doing. And you're going, man, I love that. I love that cause. I'm sowing into the kingdom. So for us, it would be like we've had guest speakers come here before. And I budget in to the regular tithes that come in, the income of the church. I budget in the honorarium to pay the guest speaker. They went out of their way. They did a work. The word says to the worker, go the spoil. So they earned it. But oftentimes, we believe in someone starting a church or a ministry so much that we take a special offering that's different from the tithe. And we go, you know, we believe in that. This is above and beyond. We're going to give to that. Our whole building campaign that we're doing, which is the Make Room for More project, we believe in it so much that it's like, man, we, we can't afford that in our budget. We, we got to cover operating costs. But man, our church, we love where God has taken us. We're growing. We love that. We want to reach more people for Jesus. The tent that we meet in is wearing out. We need a permanent structure. So we do offerings with the Make Room for More project. The fact that we sponsor, I think it's like 1,349, I think that's the number, Children Through Compassion International, that's amazing. Give yourselves a round of applause for that. 1,349 kids. You know what that is? That's offering. That's above and beyond your tithe. You're saying, I'm going to reach out and do something good. So this is what our offerings are. It's different from what our tithes are all about. But in this, this whole idea of giving to God, here's what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. It says, 
You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, this is super interesting because Paul is specifically talking about offerings here. This isn't a verse about tithing. This is Paul telling the Corinthian church, hey, guys, um, our buddies over there in Jerusalem, there's famine in the land. They're up for hard times. So I know you guys already tithe to the temple and you give to God, but can we take a special offering to bless these guys because they're hurting for money right now? And so all these guys got together. But here's the point that I believe in giving tithes or offerings. And Paul says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, I want you to hear this directly from the horse's mouth. I'm the pastor of Anchor Church. I'm the one that talks about the money and all of this. I am telling you today, listen to me, because I don't want you getting the wrong impression about us. I'm telling you right now, if you've been thinking about tithes or offerings, and it feels like guilt trip or pressure, or you're really reluctant, or you don't know if you want to do it, and you're not at that place yet, from Pastor Carl's mouth, do not give your money. Because God is saying, if you can't give it with the right heart, I don't want your money. In fact, I don't really need your money. I want your heart. And if you're not at a place yet where you can give tithes and offerings, well, then that goes back to the first number one point that I made is are you withholding your worship in any way? When you get that relationship right with God and you worship him and see him who, for who he really is, then when it comes time for like something like tithes or offerings, you're going to find yourself in a place that says, wait, I, I get to give to God? I don't have to give anymore, not reluctantly, but cheerfully you're going, Yes, he deserves it. Man, he's so good in my life. So here, from Pastor Carl's mouth, I'm not asking you to give your money. If you can't give it with a right heart and a right spirit, then work on that first. Go get to know the love of Jesus and how abundant he is in your life. But if you're, you're felt like this pressure to give, don't give it at all. Anchor Church doesn't need it. God doesn't need it if it's too hard on your heart to give. Can I get an amen for that? We're not going to force anybody and manipulate anybody, but it could be that in some way, shape, or form, I might be withholding resources to God, whatever he's asking me. Here's the third thing is we, enhold, we withhold our involvement. Involvement is simply this, is that it's not just enough to give uh, back to God directly, but God says, when you're giving to other people, you're blessing me. Isn't it like that with your kids? Is when someone blesses your kids, they're actually blessing you. God says that. Hey, are you maybe withholding the blessing of you, the, all the gifts I've given you that you're not sharing, you're not helping, you're not benefiting anybody else? that maybe we're withholding that. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Everybody, everybody here, you have certain gifts and experiences and personalities that makes you individual, different from everybody else. And it's saying right here, then, then you should use them. If God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If God ever tells you, I have a word for you to give to Carl or to whoever, then you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to give it. Don't sit on it. Don't think, oh, I don't know, maybe this. No, it's, it's not for you to decide. If God told you to tell someone, tell them because you're blessing. You're getting involved in someone's life. If your gift is serving, then serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God's giving you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You know what, what Paul's trying to say here in Romans is don't be a hoarder. Possibly, you're withholding and you're hoarding something that, in essence, could be looked at as robbing God because you're not getting involved in people's lives. No matter what you're good at, use it for the glory of God. Bless other people. That means down to, you could say like, oh, I have spiritual gifts and all. Yeah, that's one part. 
But some of it's just practical gifts. I mentioned earlier how beautiful the stage looks and all this, and they're, they're not done yet. It's going to get better. They got lights on the trees. They got more stuff coming. They're going to hang some stuff. It's going to be awesome. But you know what I'm so stoked and blessed by is that there's people in our church that know that they're creatively designed, that they've got all of this, that Tate that oversees all of our sound and audio and video and all of that stuff, that he stepped up and he said, I want to give that back because I want to bless people so we can have the best worship experience. I don't know about you, but I visited other churches on this island, and I love all the churches that glorify God on this island. But some of them I walk in, and I'm intimidated immediately because they have super cool buildings and facilities, and we meet in a tent. So I'm like, whoa, you guys are, oh, man, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. And I look at their speakers and the sound. I'm like, oh, man, these guys got it all together. I'm jealous. I'm envious. I'm feeling insecure of my little tent back on the mountain. And I walk in, and you know what happens when all the sound comes on? It's like, oh, I'm like, what? And now this isn't a diss on the worship team, but I'm like, how do they have just this incredible environment and all this, and it just... It doesn't sound good. Now, love, hear me. I'm not trying to diss people, but I'm like, it's not, and you know what I appreciate? How is it that we have such amazing people back at our church here at Anchor, that the mix is right, that the sound brings us in here, that we're in a tent, which is actually like a, an audio engineer's worst nightmare because the acoustics are terrible and all that. Why does it sound so good? Here's why it sounds so good. Because people that are very gifted at what they do have said, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to bless the body. I'm going to bless people around me. Amen? Can we just thank God for all of our guys? And thank you for all this. This is cool. So whatever it is, you got to use it. Now, here comes the part of the message. I only got a few minutes left, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here's a part of the message where I wanted to give you something new and a new perspective. Because we can hear this and we can go, don't rob God. Don't rob him. And we're like, oh, man, I've been robbing him. I got to get work on my game. And I, he deserves it. And I got to do all of this. Well, here's the important truth I want you to catch today. Is that in our worship, in our resources, in, in our involvement in blessing others, God doesn't really need it. Think about that. He's God. He has it all anyway. Amen? Like, he doesn't need our resources, our worship, our involvement. God wants it. Well, why does God want it? Are we really robbing God when we're not giving those things? Here's what I want you to catch because this changes everything in how you give to God. We're not really robbing God because he has it all anyway. He doesn't need that stuff. He wants it. We're robbing God of the opportunity to bless us. That's a different shift on how we're looking at it. We're robbing God. He deserves all he needs. No, God doesn't need that. You know what God wants to do? He wants to reward you and me for being able to surrender and to give up everything to him. He doesn't want us to rob ourselves of an opportunity for blessing. Is it God, we're robbing God of the opportunity to bless us. What do I mean by that? Because you're going, I don't know if that's really true. Think about the whole relationship, the whole gospel message in itself. Is that God said, I love everybody on earth, all of those sinners, all of those people, and I want to have a relationship with them. But in order to get that, think about this. You have to be one of the people that says yes to Jesus to allow him to believe that what he did on the cross and the grave was for you to receive the free gift of salvation and to walk in that. Without it, it's God who has the blessing of salvation for you, but you don't get it. You're just waiting. He needed you to unlock it because why? Everything about God is about relationship. Everything about God is relationship. When I was in junior high and high school, there would be times when I was doing really good with my grades in school, and I was being a really good, cool kid at home and obeying my parents and doing good, that my dad would randomly, on a Monday, 
just pull me out of school. I'd wake up in the morning ready for school, and he goes, hey, you're not going to school today. I'm like, what? He goes, nope, you're going surfing with me and the staff. We're going to go surfing today. I'm like, yes, right? So back in the day, uh, half of our church staff was all surfers. And so oftentimes on their day off on Monday, they would just, as a staff, all go surfing together in town. And some of the good surfers in the church would come along and they would surf. And randomly, again, if I was doing good in school and I had a good attitude toward my parents at home, my dad would go, Carl, you're not going to school today. You're coming surfing with us. And I remember how cool that feeling was driving around in the car Windows down, my hand not feeling all good, surfing. I'd see cops on the road, and I go, yep, I'm a teenager, and I'm not in school today because I got permission with my dad, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm cutting school because dad said I could. Then we'd go surf and have a good time. We'd go eat at Rainbow Drive-In. Anybody know Rainbow's back in, oh, chicken katsu and the slush floats. And so I'd be just in heaven. I'd have these days off. And what it was, think about this was a reward for my good behavior, for my relationship with him, for getting good grades. Now, there were seasons in in that time when I wasn't doing good in school, and I wasn't being the nicest kid at home. And I imagine that my dad, looking back now, my dad didn't take me out of school in those seasons, and he didn't let me do all this stuff. But I imagine now, looking back as a father, my dad must have been going, man, I love those times when I can take my son surfing. I love those days off. I love all that. But I can't reward him with that right now because... He needs to work on his game because I I know that we're not in a good place and he's not good in school. So I'm not going to reward him and enable him to keep doing bad. So I got this blessing. I have the power to take him out of school and take him surfing, but I'm not going to do it. But man, I wish I could because I love my kids so much. That when we think that we're robbing God, it's not that, oh, God needs our money. It's that God is this good dad up in heaven going, you know what you're robbing? You're robbing me of an opportunity to bless you because I don't have your whole heart. I don't have all your worship. I don't have your, your control over your resources. I have control over how you're blessing other people. And this is how I want to look at this today. Is that a good word or what for you guys? Think about that. Now, here's the three things that we get when um, we talk about um, our worship and our resources and, and our involvement. Is that giving our worship allows us the privilege, the opportunity, the blessing to get deep with God. Write that in your notes. There's a little blank there. Giving our worship allows us to get deep with God. Psalm 22.3 David writes, yet you are enthroned, you are holy, God, you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. You know what that means? Is that when we give our praise, that God is enthroned in that. What does that mean, enthroned on that? The word literally means that he dwells, he lives, he sits down, and he remains with us. Is that when we give our worship and our praise, praise brings his presence. Praise brings intimacy with God. And if we're withholding our worship and our praise, then all we're robbing ourselves of is this intimate relationship with God that God wants to dwell with us where we can actually feel him. Don't get robbed of this. You're robbing yourself of it. We're like, no, I don't need to give my worship. I don't need to enter in. I don't need to pray. I don't need to read my Bible. God's going, ah, it's not really robbing me. It's just robbing me of the opportunity to give you my presence. When you come and you seek me like that, you give your all to me. I went on staycation a couple weeks back. I stayed home. And I just took my time off to go surfing and diving and all the stuff that I love about the ocean. And um, every day I was just trying to get out of the house and go do all of this stuff. But every day I was praying for God's presence. I was praying deeply for God. God, you need to speak to me. I'm going through some stuff right now. I need clarity. I need answers. I need you to, to speak and direct me and guide me. Every day I was just giving extra time to seeking, to worshiping, to just being in his presence. Every day for like two and a half weeks. And this is what was so cool is the very last day of my vacation, God showed up. God, right before the vacation, I'm seeking you, I'm seeking God showed up with his presence. And here's what happened. I had just gone out surfing. I was at Al Moana. I came in. I was sitting in my truck in Al Moana Park. 
And I called a friend of mine. He's in Louisiana. I talk to him sometimes about the valleys that I'm in, and he understands, and it's cool. He prays for me. And randomly, he goes, Carl, this is crazy, but my sister, she's here right now, and she's been having the craziest time with Jesus right now that she's never experienced in her life ever before. He's speaking to her. All this stuff's happening. She has some words for you. And I'm going, how does she have words for me? Number one, I'm in Hawaii. You're in Louisiana. I haven't talked to your sister in probably 15 to 20 years. She doesn't know anything that's going on in my life, nothing about me, and yet she has words from the Lord for me, and I'm all ears because I've been praying, and I've been seeking, I've been worshiping. God, I'm waiting for you, right? So she starts speaking, and as minute she starts speaking, I like freak, I like literally get goosebumps, and I start to tear up. I'm sitting in my truck, and I'm like, put the shades on. Because you're going to look like a weirdo. You're crying in your truck in Alamana Beach Park. Ah, right? So I'm like, oh, my gosh. It was a holy moment, right? Shades are up, you know, windows up, tinted. Woo, hide. But I, I put my phone on speakerphone, and I got out my little Evernote, and I started taking notes. I go, just speak whatever God's telling you right now for my life. I just took notes on everything she said. And it was the heaviest, craziest time of God directly speaking. There's no way she could have known any of the stuff going on in my life, and yet she spoke directly to super crazy stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just met with God. I've been holding on to that word for weeks and just like praying into it. It's been so good, but here's the deal, is that you don't want to rob yourself of the opportunity for God to show up that way in your life. And when you're giving him your worship to its fullest, what you get is this deep connection with God. Psalm 8410 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And this is what we get when we give him our worship. Secondly, here's what we get when we give him our resources. Giving our resources allows us to receive more good stuff. Fill that in the blanks. Real plain and simple. I just wrote it down. We'll get more good stuff. When you are willing to give up the God of your money and your selfishness and hoarding and the stuff that you want to hold on to, and you go, God, you know what? I'm giving that up to you. Then it shows God, oh, so I really am the God of everything in your life, Carl. Yep, God, I tithe because you're number one. You have control of my finances, my money. It's tight right now, God, but I trust you. Then God goes, thank you. That's so awesome. Watch what I'm about to do. I'm about to blow your mind. Look at what it says in Malachi 3 to finish the verse we read earlier, verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you get fed, the local church, the temple, wherever you're at, where you get spiritually fed. So give the tithes. That, that there may be food in my house. God wants to provide for people. And then he says, try me now in this. And I don't know if you guys know, but that's a big deal when God says, try me or test me in this. Because what basically God is saying is, I dare you to try this out in my life. Everywhere else in scripture, God says, don't, don't put me to the test. Don't challenge me. Don't put me to the test. Don't dare me. I'm God. I'll do what I want. But in this particular place, God goes, you have no idea, Carl. I dare you to try this out. Try me, test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer, which is the enemy, the devil that tries to come steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. I'm going to rebuke him. I'll push him away for your sake that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. I'll protect you. For, for nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. You're going to be fruitful. Stuff's going to go your way. You'll have my favor. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you'll be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, other people are going to see the goodness of God in your life, and they're going to call you blessed. You're going to have a good, godly reputation. Now, all of this comes from us actually understanding, stepping out in faith and going, God, I'm not going to withhold anything. I'm giving it all to you. Now, let me preach this to you really quickly, because you got to catch this, because I think preachers preach it wrong. I may have 
preached this wrong in the past. But when he says, if you give your tithes and your offerings in the storehouse, um, I will pour out for you such a blessing, the word blessing does not equal money. Okay, we preach this wrong. We say, give your tithes and your offerings and God will give money right back to you. And we call it prosperity doctrine and all of this stuff where it's like, you give and guarantee you're gonna make all this money, you're gonna become rich and you're gonna, that is not what this word originally says in the Hebrew. What it really says is it has to do with this. Here, here's God telling us, you give everything to him, he's gonna give you abundance and favor of God that brings good of every kind. That means the payoff when you give finances to God isn't always going to be about money. Although I can tell you stories in my life how the check comes in the mail that I didn't know where it was coming from and it was the exact amount for my college tuition that semester. I can tell you the stories that sometimes it is money. But sometimes it's like free cars. I've been given free cars before because I give to God. By the way, I try to look for opportunities where I have actually given free cars away to other people because I want to keep that cycle of blessing continuing. I want to be someone that gives so that God gives back. But not just money, not just cars, but food, rent, clothing, healing, physical healing, relationships. I attribute it to the fact that when I was a young man, I don't even know when I first started doing this, maybe elementary school, I took God at his word. I believe that if the Lord says, hey, give, give a, your tithe and I'll give back to you and bless you, I was young enough and naive enough, childlike faith enough to go, God said it, it must be true. So I make a dollar for allowance back in the day when you're like seven years old or whatever and I'm gonna put a dime in the offering every week when I go to church. And you know what? I learned the principle of tithing. I'll tell you this, all of these years later, God's never let me down. I've never been high and dry. I've always had enough. I've always had miraculous things come along my way. This concept really works that God's gonna bless you in every way, shape, and form. Listen, God can do more with the 90% that you keep to yourself when you give your 10% tithe at the church than you could have ever done managing the 100% if you would have kept it yourself. Remember what I said? God's going, man, I got these blessings. I just wanna see where Carl's heart's at. I can't wait to blow his mind. It's gonna be so cool. Carl, where's your heart? What do you think about your money? God, I think you're worth it. Here's my 10% I'm returning to you. Okay, you ready for this? Boom, floodgates of heaven open up, the windows open up, and I've just had so many remarkable miracles happen to me in my life. I believe that a lot of it is because I'm willing to say, God, here's everything in my life, here's, here's my money, and I wanna be able to give that to you. Set yourself up for the blessing with the resources. Here's the last thing we talked about is our involvement. And when you give your involvement, it allows us to have, write this down, satisfying relationships. And this is a big deal. When you give yourself to others, you actually are blessed back by incredible relationships. Acts 20, 35 says, uh, Paul writes, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. So he's clearly not talking about giving money. He's talking about blessing other people, getting involved, working hard for people. He goes, I've been an example of this. I can help people by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus that say, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That means when you get involved in other people's lives that you're gonna get that feeling of what it's like to be more blessed to give than receive. You know what it means? It means God is gonna give you incredibly satisfying relationships, amazing relationships. Um, it says in Proverbs this, 27.9, it says, ointment and perfume delight the heart. Think about that, ointment and perfume. It might say in your translation, uh, perfume and incense. Basically, you know what it's saying is? Things that smell good. Anybody ever um, walk by the mall Bath and Body Works and you got stuck in that store, like just sniffing candles for like eight hours? Anybody? I'm guilty, man. I went in the other day and I was walking through the mall. I'm just gonna go, ooh, that smells nice, right? I walk into bath. What smells so good? Everything in the store, right? And so I'm like, hey, I should, I should buy a candle for my office, right? 
literally 45 minutes, I'm sniffing candles. Ooh, does that smell manly enough? Because I don't want to smell like a girl. Like, and like, oh, that's a, that would match my beard really well. That's a masculine scent, you know? And literally 45 minutes later, I walk out of there with these two candles. And I'm like, kind of got to hide it a little bit from like my man card. It's like a little bit like, I just bought candles at the mall. That's so weird. But I love it. I go in my office. I light them up. I close the door. I'm like, hmm, this is delightful. So here's what the word, the word says. Ointment and perfume, bath and body works. Man, they delight the heart. But look what it says. The sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. You know what it says? The Bible teaches us in other places, in order to have friends, you got to be a friend. And when you get involved and you give yourself to others as a way of giving it up to God, God, I'm going to give you my, my, my blessing to bless other kids. I'm going to bless your kids thereby blessing you. You know what God rewards you with? It means you're not robbing him the opportunity to give you incredible relationships. That when we step out and actually do stuff to bless others, bless our community, God goes, you just started up an amazing relationship. And if you withhold it and you, and you rob him, you're really robbing yourself. It could be that you didn't go and, and serve at the, the kids' PTA or, or go and coach the little league game or you didn't go and check out that connect group or whatever because you're withholding, ah, I don't want to get involved with other people. could be that God says, man, your future best friend was waiting for you right there. You didn't rob me. God's going, you robbed me the opportunity to give you that best friend. Recently in my house, well, every weekend actually, there's multiple teenage boys that are all sleeping in my son Isaac's room with him, right? Like he's a teenager. He's always like, can so-and-so sleep over? Can so-and-so sleep over? At one point in the summer, there's about eight kids in his tiny room, slept over the house for like three days. And I'm like, what's going on? You guys don't even shower. It stinks. Like your clothes are all over the place. He stole the mattress off his sister's bed, put it in his room. There's just like, what, is this a commune? Are you guys hippies? Like what's going on? And I got to cook for all of you guys. But the reality is this, is that my son and his friends, they learned by going on a mission trip together to Japan last year and this past year, is that they went out to go get outside of themselves, to get involved, to serve other people in Japan. But in so doing, they're building relationships with kids in Japan, but they're building relationships with each other as they're out serving. And now they become best friends, and they're all sleeping over the house, and I got to cook a million eggs every morning, and all of this stuff. But here's the payoff, is that I know, because I'm stoked, my son is going to grow up and grow old with lifelong friends. They're going to be his support system, his network. When he's got relationship issues with girlfriends, they're going to counsel him, hopefully in godly ways, right? They're all seeking God together, going to church. But these are going to be his friends that he's going to call upon for the rest of his life. And here's the thing. When we give our involvement to get involved with other people, God goes, here's the reward, the blessing that's coming. I'm going to put incredible relationships and networks and connections in your life that you never had before. In this season of giving, here's all I'm trying to say today, is let's remember to give it up to God. Let's remember to give it all up to God. In, in the way of our worship, our resources, and our involvement with other people, don't rob God the opportunity to bless you. Was that a good word? Let's pray on that, and let's turn you loose on this world. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are in our lives. Once again, Lord, we thank you for this word, that it isn't a guilt trip about robbing you. Let's, Lord, it's more about what we're missing out on, the blessing that you have to give to us, that you want to reward us, and we just got to be blessable people. We want to be able to give our all towards you so that you can give all of those incredible things, the gifts and rewards that you have waiting for us, God. Help us to view it that way. Help us to understand that as we give to you, you always give back bigger and better. And so, Lord, in this season, we just want to put you on the throne of our life. You're bigger than the food and the, and the parties and all the Christmas lights and all that stuff. We just want to give our all and give our best to you, God. Tithes, offerings, worship, prayer, just, Lord, everything as we bless the world around us. 
uh, thank you, Father God, for being that good to us. Lord, right now, I just want to pray a prayer. Maybe you came in here today and you, you've been disconnected from God. Maybe you've never really said yes to all that God has available for you. But whatever you heard today, it clicked, it made sense, you get it, you want to be a Christian. You want to figure out why these people sitting around you are so happy and why they, they give up their time and their lives to, to serve this God that, that, that you're, not, you're not in relationship with yet, but you want to be. Maybe you read the Bible before you come to church before, but that doesn't make you a Christian. That's just stuff we do. You got to ask for that personal relationship. You got to connect with him. And I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And maybe you came here today. Like I said, you're not connected, but you really want to be. You know that God's kind of speaking to your heart right now saying, it's time to commit to me. I got good plans. I can't wait to give them to you. If you would just go my way and you would obey me and live for me, watch what I'm going to do with that, that life that you have down there. I want to turn that mess into a miracle. I want to blow your mind. If that's you here today and you'd like to say this prayer that, that allows God to be involved in your life, to really be your personal God, your Lord, your, your Father, your Savior, and your best friend, if you want that right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This is the most important thing we do at the end of every service at Anchor Church. This prayer right here, right now, to change your life by introducing you to Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to say a simple prayer that would put you in connection with him, a simple prayer that means you're giving him control of, of you and your life and you're going to follow him and it's going to be good. It's going to be a wild ride, but it's going to be good to become a child of God, a Christian here today. If that's what you'd like to do, I'm going to say a prayer out loud in a minute. And I'm going to ask you to pray it with me, not out loud. I'm going to ask you to take the words that I say out loud, make them your words in your heart to God. You'd pray them quietly under your breath, just you and God. And God's going to meet you where you're at. He sees your heart. He judges you on what your heart is saying inside. And that if you want to really know him, that you would pray this prayer. But before I lead you in this prayer that changes everything, I just want to know who I have the privilege this morning of leading in this prayer. I'm blessed when I, when I get to know who I'm praying with. So everybody's eyes are closed and their heads are bowed. No one's looking at you. But I just want to know who wants to pray this with me. So before we pray this prayer, can you do me one favor right now? Can you raise your hand and let me know that you're going to pray this with me if that's you in the house today? Can you just lift your hand? I see some hands going up around the room. Good, I see those hands. Just hold it up until I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you. I got you, I see you. See someone over here, here, here. I got you, I see you. Praise God for those people. If you're in the kids zone, family room back there, someone sees you, you're in the courtyard. Someone sees you. You might be watching online at home right now. No need to raise your hand because you're alone in your living room. But God sees you. He sees your heart. Would you pray this with me right now? Here's a prayer. God, I'm here today and I get it. I see you, I need you, I want you. Lord, I, I'm letting you know right now that I'm gonna follow you in everything that I do. I believe your son Jesus died on the cross for me so that I could have eternal salvation, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have new life starting now with you. Lord, so that when I die, I don't have to even deal or worry about hell. But Lord, I'm gonna be in heaven for eternity. So Lord, right now, here's my heart. I wanna follow you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on a cross to pay the price for my sin and separation from God. You didn't deserve it, but you did it for me. You took the hit so I don't have to. And Lord, the greatest thing about you dying on the cross for me is you didn't stay dead like any normal human being, that you really were the son of God. You defeated death. You came out of that grave on the third day, proving that you have power over death itself. But in so doing, you showed me that you have power over my guilt and my shame and my mistakes and my wrongdoing that would separate me from you. You died for that so that I had a freedom and a restored relationship with you. So Lord, right now, I'm, I'm believing and receiving this salvation. I'm going to walk it out all the days of my life. Thank you for what you just did in my heart, in the heavenlies, Lord, for all of eternity, is that now I'm your child and I will follow you. Thank you for the new creation that you're going to turn me into with the power of your Holy Spirit. 
I'm excited. I thank you. I will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we praise God for those people right now? Very quickly. Yeah. We give it up, man. We give it up for God and what he's about to do in your life. Man.